0: Well, we got Mike Simmons on the call here today, and Mike, I, I can't appre- I just really appreciate you uh, giving me the time, especially on a Sunday. A lot of people uh, <laughs> want to uh, reserve that day for, for other things, but I think we have, we're going to have a ton of things to talk about, but I usually throw it to my guest to do a quick introduction, um, but I, I think I have a feeling some people are going to know who you are, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll go from there.
2: Good. That'd be great. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Also, uh, it is a Sunday. It just goes to show that uh, we're either really crazy or really accommodating. I don't know, one of the two, but uh, (laughs) I I had the time, so why not, right? Um, As far as me, uh, my name is Mike Simmons. Uh, I'm in uh, Michigan. I do my investing in Michigan. And I started off about 12 years ago, uh, right when everything sort of tanked. My wife and I didn't know any different. We started uh, flipping houses and we had some success early on. I always tell people if that first deal had gone really, really poorly, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I would be working some nine to five job because it probably wouldn't have uh, gone over very well in my family. But we did really, really well in that first deal. And we started flipping houses. And at some point, my wife kind of wanted to get off the roller coaster. Real estate can be stressful a little bit Mm -hmm. and uh, things don't always go perfectly. And it just wasn't good for her her mental health to be involved in the kind of the roller coaster ups and downs, especially when you're when you're growing your business and kind of figuring things out. So uh, that was that was a, a a blessing in disguise, kind of because when she stepped away, it was sort of like. It, it, all reservation of like being conservative and things. Cause I have a very high risk tolerance. It just sort of took off. I started making a lot more offers and getting more deals. And, and I was just running through deals a lot faster and we scaled it up. Uh, and then at one point I, I decided that, you know, this flipping houses is great. It's very, um, it's very much dependent on me being out there doing things. So I probably should diversify my efforts and start buying rentals as well. So mm-hmm. we, started, we started building our rental portfolio and, and I added wholesaling uh, properties to the mix. And if you don't know what wholesaling is, it's essentially flipping contracts. You're, you're, you're getting right. a property contract and selling that contract to a, a house flipper or landlord in most cases. And I started doing a lot of that learning a lot about myself as I was growing my business, building a team, uh, scaling up and adding systems into the the mix because originally the first handful of years I was doing this, I would buy it, I would get a property in a contract, we'd go to Home Depot and we would pick out flooring and new cabinets and every time we did it, we picked out different materials and we like, mm-hmm. what's, what do we feel about this one? What's, what's our, you know, what kind of a palette do we want to create? It was, it was kind of silly from a, from a business standpoint that we were reinventing the wheel and I mm-hmm. got really good at dialing in systems and processes, bringing people on, to my team who were better at specific things than I was and I had to admit to myself that I was in the way. So, we scaled up and, and today over the last four or five years, we, we flip or, or wholesale anywhere between 90 and 110 properties a year and um, building a portfolio of rentals kind of slowly. It's not an aggressive approach that way but just building them nice and slowly and uh, having that, that residual income coming in from those.
0: Sure. So you know you mentioned you you started things off with uh, you know uh, two or three deals uh, was it a week or a month, and now you 're you 're averaging ten to fifteen
2: uh, We started in eight and my company really hit that hockey stick growth uh, in two thousand and sixteen so i I spent and then probably for the first two or three years, I was doing a deal. Uh, every couple of months, and then a couple years later, I was hitting that one to two, and then by 2015, I was doing two to three deals a month, probably. And mm-hmm. then I, what happened was for me, and I, I'm a big fan of of mentors, masterminds, coaching. I joined uh, a mastermind, and and I finally was surrounding myself with people who had gone much farther than I had. You know, sometimes when you're in a, a local market. You can, you can flip 10 houses a year and you're kind of one of the big dogs and, and you start mm-hmm. thinking, wow, I've really got this figured out. I'm doing 10 a year. And that's, there's nothing wrong with doing 10 a year. That is a nice, nice business. But I was unable to see much past that because nobody I knew was doing much more than that. So when I joined this mastermind, it was a, it was a national mastermind and we would fly into a central location and I was surrounded by people who were doing 20, 50 100 120 deals uh, a year and it just blew my mind. I was like, "Wait a minute. I'm doing like 10 or 15. Like how how are you doing? I'm I'm running around like crazy. How are you, how could you possibly do 100?" And the first inclination is to go BS. They're not doing that many, mm-hmm. right? until you get to know them and you kind of see their business and you go out and you visit them and you understand no wait they are doing that but it's because they're not doing everything they they created a business and i'm running this job i have a job basically that i've created for myself and they were running businesses they had teams they had people answering phones they had acquisitions people they had um, all these different people work at project managers working in their company and i realized oh that's how they're scaling because they're not doing it all themselves and once i Understood the power of hiring people and building a team and creating a culture of people who are all rowing in the same direction. That's when my company just absolutely exploded. And that was the reason why I wrote my book because people are asking, How did you do that? Right. And everyone's looking for this like software or the secret list that you can right. get. Right. Like everybody wants that. It's like this, they want the silver bullet. But the reality is, there's no secret to it. It's, it's, it's scaling a real estate investing company is not really any different than scaling many other companies. It's about hiring the right people, creating systems and processes, documenting those processes, making sure that things can be delegated effectively. Mm -hmm. And, And the owner, you and I, we should be spending our time on higher-level stuff, like like maybe going out and finding deals or, or raising money, talking to investors. That's where and that's where the owner of the company should be spending most of their time, not necessarily answering phones or or sending out emails to people. It, you really should be working on building your company, not running all the day-to-day operations.
0: Right. So you know what what I think is really interesting is that we we're we hear time and time again that. You know, at a certain, especially at a certain point, there's, there's a, it, it's great when you're starting out, you're a single, single person, you're just trying to, you, you hit the grind, you, you got to grind it out, you got to work it out. And then there, there's value and there's, there's a lot of equity to be had there. But when we, there's a certain point where we hear uh, people say, uh, you got to work on your business, not in your business as yeah. a great mantra. But yeah. uh, to actually take the action to to pull that off and actually take the steps to do that is another thing. Like, what did you do? Uh, you know, it, you you mentioned the mastermind. Um, one of the yep. other mantras that I I say time and time again that you either can become a master and put the ten thousand hours into it yourself, or you can learn from somebody who has already put in those ten thousand hours. Yep. Um, Talk about like the importance of some of that in, in, in getting yeah. through some of that mindset.
2: Totally. Here's the great conundrum in, in in really any business, but we'll just, real estate is what we're talking about. Here's the great conundrum. You start a company, it's just you or just you and your wife maybe, and you, you start building it and you're learning how to how to run this company and you're learning at how to make great offers and you're looking for how to find great deals. And then maybe you're learning how to renovate properties and hire contractors and you're learning how to run the numbers on a rental to make sure that it's going to cash flow properly. And you're learning all these things about how to run your business and you get great at it. Mm-hmm. And you say, now I want to scale it. I want to be bigger. Here's the great conundrum. You have to take what you have become a master at and what you're great at And now you have to teach other people how to do it and you have to step out of it. It's like in order to to scale, if you truly want to scale up beyond what a one person can do, you no longer are the person doing the thing that got you where you are. You have to step back and let other people do that thing. And you have to be okay in many cases with them doing it 80% as good as you might have done it in some Mm -hmm. cases, right? I think in, in a lot of cases, you can look at a company or your business and go, Okay, I'm, maybe you're a really good salesperson, I'm really great at sales, but I'm not so great at, at project management, but you're doing it because you're a one man band, right? So there's times where you can bring people in who are great project managers, and you plug them into that role, and they actually enhance it. But in order for you to step out of the business, there will be times and times w- during your growth where you're going to bring people in, and they may not do it exactly as well as you do, or maybe even more frustrating, they do it as well as you do, they just do it differently and you have to wrap your mind around because they're not doing it exactly like I would, doesn't mean it's wrong. And 80% of me is better than me doing everything. So, um, so from, from that standpoint, it's really, really interesting. It's like, oh, you're really great at finding deals and getting things under contract and even maybe running a rehab crew or whatever, or managing your rentals, you're really great at that. Well, if you really wanna be a $5 million company, you can't do that stuff. You have to teach it. And it's the, when I was in, the, in a nine to five job or the corporate world, the great mistake that was made a lot of times was you'll take like an engineer. I was in the automotive industry for a while. You'll take an engineer. He's a great engineer, great engineer. And you make him the engineering manager. Now he's managing engineers and he's not doing the engineering and he fails. Why? Well, he's not an engineering manager. He's a great engineer. Right. So it's, business owners are not always great managers. They're great at what they do. They're great at running the company. They're just not great at managing people. So that's the, that's the trick to, and the thing you have to get over. But as far as masterminds go, you nailed it. You can spend 10,000 hours and figure it out and, and you can figure it out. But will you go through all of the crap that you have to go through? The ups, the downs, the failures, the setbacks, the depression of things didn't go right. Will you push through all that? And how long will it take you? Like, When you're 21, time seems infinite, right? I don't Mm -hmm. care if it takes me, you know what, I don't care. But as you get a little older and you start going through business, you realize time is the one thing you can't get back. You can't, do; it just marches on. So Mm -hmm. if you can join a mastermind, even if it costs money, if you can pay a little bit to accelerate your learning by years, which is exactly what I did. I joined a mastermind, it wasn't cheap, but the great thing was I got to sit next to and have direct contact with people who literally are five years down the road farther than me. Five years earlier, they had the exact company that I had. Now they're where I want to be and I could sit with that person and go, what did you do that worked? And, and what did you do that didn't work? What's mm-hmm. what's some advice that you would have for me as a person that's clearly pushing in the direction of, of where you are? And it's like, well... I did this, as this, this, I tried this, it didn't work. This is a big mistake that I made. I'll never do that again. These are some lessons learned. And then guess what? I just compressed everything. It took them five years to figure out organically. I compressed it into 12 months and I was able to grow my business where I wanted to be five years later in, in 12 months. And, and a lot of it was hiring, systematizing, building a team. I talk a little bit about in the book about building a culture. And it's really difficult to get people, especially who are a one-man band, To give two cents about culture like what is it who cares i'm one person i'm gonna hire somebody they're gonna run my rehabs like what do you care Mm -hmm. and i always tell people culture is like it's it's the company's personality right you can say you know somebody can say hey hey jack you need to work on your personality you're kind of a jerk right it's like I, I don't have. I'm not. I'm not a jerk. I don't have a bad. Per- it's like your personality is what people perceive, and and you may not feel like it's there, or maybe you said I, I haven't even done anything to create a culture for my company. Well, if you don't do anything to create a culture, then chances are it's a bad culture because there is a culture. It's a personality. Everybody has a personality, whether they're aware of it or not. They. That people get an impression of them when they talk to them. And when you bring people into your company, they get a feel. What's your company feel like when they're in it working? And if you're not paying attention to that as you grow, you're going to have a lot of turnover, a lot of people coming and going because they don't like the personality of the company. So mm-hmm. um, it may not be important when it's just you, but it certainly is important when you start scaling up. And, and frankly, if you are dealing with other businesses, other investors, um, uh, investing partners like capital investors and things like that your your company's culture and, and your personality is going to have a huge impact and you, you they are reading that right so i walked into rooms when i was a new investor my wife and i is mostly credit to my wife but we would be in rooms of people who had money to, to lend and there would be other investors in the room like a ria or something right and everybody there every, you go to ria everybody there is looking for money most people looking for money when they're there mm-hmm. and there would be investors there and we would walk away with an investor partner who wants to work with us and they were investors who had more experience and more track record, more proven success than we had. But you know, one of them, when it really opened my eyes, the first time I realized that it that they're investing in you, not your company. They're lending you as a person money. In their mind, was we we were working with some investors, an older couple. They were probably in their mid sixties, and the time we were in our mid thirties, and. We, we uh, struck up a conversation, chatted with them for a little bit at the RIA, and they called us afterwards, like, we want to work with you guys. We want to lend you money. And I know for a fact there were much more experienced lenders at that, at that uh, meetup. And we, I asked them at some point down the road after we had worked with them a few times, like, why did you, because I was afraid to ask them at first, like, why would you work with me? I didn't want to scare them away because I wanted to, to ha- I wanted that investor. But at some point when we got to know them better, I said, why did you invest with us? Because I know there were people who probably could have shown you a much better track record than we had. We didn't have a track record. And they said, because you remind us of us when we were starting out. And and that's all it was. Like, it wasn't that I had done so many flips or or had so many successful deals under my belt. We just reminded them of of themselves and they Mm -hmm. liked that. So they funded the first probably five deals that we did. So, I mean, that's it. I think think that that's a huge thing in masterminds and meetups and groups where you can go and talk to other people. And really that in that interaction with that couple, who funded our first five deals, launched our business. Like mm-hmm. that was that was made all the difference in the world to us.
1: Yeah,
0: you know it. It's one of the things that I think is really interesting here is that you you mentioned, uh, you know, joining this mastermind and that's when you you saw that hockey stick. Like, you can you talk a little bit about the importance of you know we hear you know you're the sum of the five people you hang out with. Um, this is an obvious situation and an obvious example of that, where uh, you, you really do need to be around those like-minded people and people that you want to achieve that level. I yeah. mean, the importance of that is is astronomical. I mean, you, you have to be around those people in order to to get into the proper mindset.
2: Yeah. The thing that I realize having been a part of this group and and being around people in this mastermind is I think everybody, some people need more of it than others, but everybody needs a little bit of proof. Whether they admit it or not, they need a little bit of proof. And when you can be around people physically, rubbing elbows, talking to them, seeing their numbers, looking at their, their KPIs or their, their company metrics and understanding what's happening in their business. When you see some of that tangible proof, it makes it more real for you, right? To hear mm-hmm. someone you know, on TV or whatever on a, on a show, just talking about it, it's helpful, It really, really changes things when you are around people physically and you have that proof of what's going on. The other thing about masterminds that you sort of realize after you're a part of one, especially a really good one, is you don't know what you don't know. So, you don't always know what you should be asking. You don't know what you should be mm-hmm. concerned about or not concerned about until you're around folks that are maybe a little farther down the road than you or even just in the same same boat, right? You're sitting in a room with people you know like yourself who are trying to grow and scale and, and be profitable and make sure that they're really running a, a responsible business and they uh, start asking questions, right? And it's like, well, that's a great, I never thought, wow, that's a great question. I never would have thought to ask that. Right. So, It's like that accelerated learning is so exponential because you're not only just getting direct influence, direct access, direct information and guidance from people who maybe have kind of been there, done that, but your peers in the group are also like opening up your brain to possibilities because let's face it, there's a million ways that you you can run a real estate investing company. There's a lot of different strategies and tactics and things that you can do. You can't do them all, but you can hear what other people are doing and sort of understand that you don't have to get super tunnel vision and think, Oh, I tried this one thing and it didn't work. So nothing works. Like, no, wait a minute. There's other ways you can skin this cat. And, and being in a mastermind just opens your brain. It's just like you unlock something, you open a door that was closed and, and next thing you know, you're, you know, the sky's the limit. And it really did. I, I thought in my local market at, at any given time, before I joined the mastermind, the person that I knew of personally, who had done the most deals, far and away the most successful, bar none, everybody wanted to be half as good as them in terms of volume. They did 26 deals in a year. Now, mm-hmm. 26 deals is a lot of deals. I get that. It's it's not it's not nothing. Mm-hmm. But to me, that was the universe of what mm-hmm. was possible, right? Until I got around people who were doing four or five times that. And I go, whoa, wait a minute. There's There are other there's other possibilities here. And, and the people who are doing 26 deals were doing it all themselves. It was, a, it was a partnership and they were doing everything themselves. So 26 is, is probably getting close to capping out what two people can manage, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I started getting around people who had a small team of people and they were doing 100 and, and I was just like mind blown. Like that was yeah. game changing yeah. for me.
0: You know, uh, I find that was really cool. The, the concept that everybody needs proof, especially, you know, whether they admit it or not. You know a great example of that is, is uh, we all, most first-time investors, they all get this concept that wholesaling is the key. If you want to get into wholesaling, lock up a property, get it sold, and there's no money out of pocket. You know, until they do that for the very first time, then the one, the, then any ones after that. Seem to come a lot easier. Yeah. It's that, yep. and I'm going to make the. I'd make the argument is that um, they've they've given themselves the proof that it's possible. And until yep. they have that proof that it's possible, uh, they're their own barrier up until yeah. that point.
2: Yeah, I agree, and I think that proof it, it comes with every new thing or every growth period that you have. So, in other words, for me, doing the first deal, it was a flip for me. I needed to do that one. You know, people like ask, this is why I I actually I'm so into this like just getting started mentality because so many people get ready to get ready and they read and they study and they all this stuff but it's like just do your first deal. It'll answer 95% of your questions. It'll make everything so much more clear. You could read 10 books and spend five years figuring out, or you can do one deal and you can be so much farther. And then once I did that one deal, I, I understood the concept. I believed it. And I started doing more and more and more. When I did my first wholesale deal, like I didn't even know for sure what wholesaling was. I knew the word, but I had no idea how to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. So I did my first one. I was like, oh, I get it. Right. So that was proof. And then I got to a certain point and it was like, I, I didn't know it, but I sort of needed proof that there was something that I could do more than that. There was something beyond that. There was a bigger business opportunity than what I was aware of. So once I got in the mastermind and saw folks that were doing a lot more than me, now I had proof that there was something bigger out there for my business than what I mm-hmm. thought there was. It's like, and I'm sure at some point I'm going to go, oh, okay, I see. And there'll be some new door that will get unlocked. You don't do that if you just kind of sit in your own world in your own bubble and and you never talk to anybody else. You sort of need you need to get out there and do things for sure. And then once you start doing things, surround yourself with people who are maybe doing the same or even a little bit more than you, or a lot more than you. And mm-hmm. and let them sort of. It's like this. It's like this. Uh, this gravitational pull that you have to escape from. In my world, in my market, I was doing pretty well. People, I was talking at RIA's, and I sort of feel like I had made it. But I was in this gravitational pull of my world. And once I broke out of that and there was nothing pulling me kind of like my, 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 mind, my mindset wasn't being pulled down to this lower denominator. And I started seeing other things that people were doing. It's like, Whoa, like, wow. I don't feel like I'm held back by 10 deals is like made it like I've done it. I've made it. I'm, I'm done growing. I can't really grow much more than that. Mm-hmm. I realized I could do more. I just had to, I had to change my approach. I needed to build a team and I needed to start bringing people on that, were better than me in some cases, and in some cases were as good as me or whatever. And then as you go and you're building a team, everyone who's who's has a company, hired people, built a team, you realize there will be some turnover. It's very unlikely the first person and everybody you hire will like get that 30-year watch at the end of their career. Like they're just they're not going to be there right. forever, probably. It's everyone has a journey. So um you start top grading and you bring someone in and they're good for what they do and they kind of get to the next level and then you know, they move on, and you bring someone in who's maybe even better and, and kind of all that just starts building on each other. But that's, that's the way to do it. If it was just me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a quarter of what I'm doing right now because I am just mm. can't do it all. And frankly, some of the things that have to be done, I'm not great at. Like sales, I, know, I had to admit it. I was doing it when I was a one-man band and I was competent, but I wasn't great. But when mm. I brought in a great salesperson, like legitimately great, I was—it blew me away. I couldn't believe how much better they were than me. I kind of thought I was all right, you know, and now I know I'm okay. You know, when you're when you're an owner of a company, you tend to get good enough to sort of get by at sort of everything that you have to do. But at some point, when you do bring someone in who's truly like that's their superpower, you just stand back and go, "Wow, like wow, they're doing it so much more effortlessly than me." I can catch a football. Not like Jerry Rice, like I can't do what he did, but I can catch mm-hmm. a football. If you throw me a ball, I'll catch it. But, you know, it's like everybody has different skills and you start bringing in people with specific skills and it just explodes things. Yeah.
0: We've put a lot of effort into providing useful content. And if you've found value in the show and have any interest in supporting us with a small donation, head over to patreon.com
1: slash house dudes. And if you have any thoughts or questions, shoot us an email at info at housedudes.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at House Dudes. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps other investors out there find the show. And remember, massive positive impact requires massive positive action. We'll see you next time. This episode was brought to you by housedudes.com. Do you have time to actively manage flipping and rentals yourself? If so, go for it. If you live in a market that won't cash flow or don't have the time to do all the work, are you just out of luck? If there was a way to participate more passively, would that appeal to you? I'm sure you have questions about how the process works and what to do next. If that's the case, fill out the form on housedudes.com investors and we'll reach out to see if you are a good fit for our business. This is First Come, First Serve, and we will have to stop taking applications when our goals are met. See you at HouseDudes.com investors.
2: I don't like to tell a man what to do with his money, but if you ain't investing in property, then you're dumber than a dummy. I'm not dumb. I'm smart. Well, buy property. That's my advice.